thought of cutting my thumb off even coming to me head. Not me personally, but I thought to myself, I wonder if I could get my thumb cut off so it won't hurt when I'm punching. Desperation was there to compete. I always had my own my own doubts, you know, there, there was there was times where I thought, I might get found out soon here. Depression, it should have been a happy time as well, you know, my kids were babies. Well, everything was good at home with me, with me missus. We just, I just bought a new house that we were moving into, but, but, but my heart was, was broken. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Getting Back Up with me, Anthony Ogogo. And as I'm sure you're aware by now, in this podcast, I talk to wonderful people. People that have done great things in both their life and or career, but only after or amidst suffering massive setback and adversity. This is your weekly dose of hope and inspiration. And like every week, I've got a very special guest on this week. Last week we had Tony Jeffries, a British bronze medal winning boxer. And this week we have another British bronze medal winning boxer, big man, David Price. David Price has got an extraordinary story. He won pretty much everything, almost everything in his glittering boxing career. Three time super heavyweight champion in the amateurs, an Olympic games bronze medalist. He won medals all around the world whilst donning the GB tracksuit. In the professional ranks, David Price won the British heavyweight title, the Commonwealth heavyweight title, and many experts thought that David Price would be the man to take the mantle from the Klitschko's and own the heavyweight division for 10 years. It wasn't quite to be. Unfortunately, David Price suffered back-to-back -back losses at the hands of Tony Thompson, who later turned out to fail a drugs test. Now that is a very, very, very difficult thing for David Price and his family and his boxing team to go through. And he talks all about it in this fantastic interview. So guys, sit back and listen to this great man talk about his even greater story. Without further ado, let's get stuck in. So mate, I am humbled to have you today. I've known you for a long, long, long time. And you've just recently retired from, from boxing after 20 years in the game. So firstly, mate, I want to shake your hand and welcome you to the old man's club, the retired boxers club. Uh, mate, how, how do you feel? Do you know what, Ant? It feels, it feels a relief for me. Uh, after, after two years of uncertainty of one foot in and one foot out of the door, the not known was the painful bit for me. And then when I took the decision to, to actually retire, a weight lifted. And um, it's done now, and it's just just kind of like on onto the next chapter of my life. So it feels good, mate. Yeah, feels good. You look great. You look really Thank you, well. mate. Yeah, trying to keep in shape. Yeah. Just trying to trying to carry on that what's instilled into me. You know, training's been part of our lives for that long. We've got to keep doing it to a degree. Only not you know not professionally like you you still are. Mm -hmm. But I, I'll just keep it just to keep fit and just to keep myself in a bit of a, a respectable shape. So just just for the enjoyment more than. Yeah. Anything. And you look really well, mate. You, you look you, content, mate. you sound content. And what, something I'm, I'm really impressed with from you, like not many boxers, and even, even fewer heavyweights, not many get to leave the sport with belt on the mantelpiece, with money in the bank account, with, a, with a, a new career, 
know, like a business. I've heard you say you've got investments. Um, mate, you've done so well. And on top of that, mate, you've got the, the universal respect from all your peers, all the pundits, all the, all the boxing writers. And for that, mate, honestly, I'll take my hat off to you because that's very seldom done. And, 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 that, and that's humbling to hear that from yourself, to be honest with you, because you are one of those said peers. And, that, and that's, that's the greatest accolade you can get in, in sports, I think, is, you, is your fellow, fellow athletes, fellow fighters, or whatever else they're doing, acknowledging their respect towards you for whatever reason it may be, you know, whether they, they, they respect your, your ability, they respect you as a man or a woman. You know, that, that's, that's the ultimate accolade you can get in sports. And if you're telling me that's, that's what, what's what, then that, that is a very, um, you know, it, it's very humbling for me. No, thank you, mate. No, and, and it is. I mean, like, you've always been very honest with your, with your interviews and with your, your personal personality. We've got loads of parallels in our career, and it's been a pleasure for me because since I hurt my eye five years ago, I've, I've buried my head in the sand. I haven't watched boxing. I've, I've been, you know, we really bitter about it, and I missed a little bit the end of your career. I missed it because I wasn't watching. It's been great for me, firstly, as, as half a mate, somebody who knows you for a long, long time, but also, as a boxing fan, this last week, to watch your fights, watch the old fights against people like Sam Sexton and Matt Skelton, and to watch the stuff against Bobek and the guys that I missed, mate, what a career. It's what it. a career. Yeah, yeah it was like, yeah, it was. It was, it was a journey. The, the irony of my boxing career was that the most successful time came at the end when I probably lost half of my fights. But as far as success came in, in what I came into the sport for was for, for the business reasons and financial reasons. I got me, I got me just as it at the end. And that was only because I persevered, yeah. you know, and, and, and a lot of people told me to stop and I didn't, I just kept going because I, I knew I had to keep going. And in the end I got what I kept going for. So, you know, um, that, that was, that was a satisfying end to the career for me. That's why I've got no bitterness about it. I've got no, no bitterness about boxing. And, and I feel for you because you yours was taken away cruelly. But I, I went out on my own terms. I was still getting offered fights for, for decent wages and everything else. And I went, you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore. And so that was on my own terms. Even if it weren't like I've gone on a win and with a belt, it was there was still something on the table and I, and I walked away. There's a great quote from Nelson Mandela. Don't judge me by my successes. Judge me by the times I fell down and got back up again. And then both of our careers have both fallen down or, or more happily put, been knocked down over and over again. But we've always got back up. So right, let's dive in. So growing up in Liverpool in the 80s, was it all perms and moustaches like we led to believe <laughs> <laughs> from the old uh, Harry yeah, and Paul sketches? Yeah, or what yeah. was it like growing up as a kid? Do you know where I lived as a kid? It was like a stone's throw away from Anfield, Liverpool's football ground. So I lived in like a bit of a deprived area of the city. Um, but it weren't, it weren't, you know, weren't like toxic riots areas, you know, weren't that bad. But it was, it was one of the one of the lesser areas. And it was, it was a great upbringing though. It was a two up, two down terraced house, my mum and dad. And then... Brothers and sisters or...? My brother and sisters. Uh, my, sorry, my sister, sorry, my sister, Rachel, my elder sister, mum and dad, elder sister. Uh, and then we moved to a more affluent area of the city, which is West Derby, um, in 1991 when I was eight. So that was a nicer area. Moved, changed schools. And like, 
I often wondered in the past what my life would have shaped to be if I'd have stayed in the same area I lived in because I got a bit of a tough time getting bullied by kids who were always massive for my size and uh, for my age and things like that. So always an easy target. And I often wondered if, if I would have even went into a boxing gym or what, what path my life would have took. And, you know, every little decision we're making minutes, second to second, is going to lead us to our eventual The butterfly effect, yeah, right? Yeah. Like the butterfly effect, yeah. isn't it? So that's, that's something I've thought about in the past. You wouldn't have met the same people and everyone's in the same boat with that. Like, but... I wonder, I wonder what it would have turned out like. But it was growing up in this city, great, great. Really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. It, you know, we're all proud of where we're from, but Liverpool has a has a particular um, pride about it. You know, we're we're, we're kind of in our own, we kind of in our own bubble in Liverpool. You know, and um, this city hasn't had things easy with 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 you know the actual government and things like that. So. We've got like a staunch way, like a bit of an um, bit of chip on your shoulder, bit of a chip it. on the shoulder, yeah, bit of a defiance about us, and that that's that's just instilled in the city. But for me, I, I had I had a great great upbringing here. Love love the city. So you were, and I pride myself on this as well. I'm, I, I like to think I'm, I'm a tough person, both like physically, emotionally, and you are as well, mate. Like you know, just watching your fights again this week, like you're so tough and. Um, I'm a firm believer of like who we are as adults. It's like largely shaped of who we are as a kid and things happen to us. And my mom raised me and my sister's on her own, um, single parent, five kids, worked her ass off and she's so tough. And her toughness, I think, kind of filtered down to me. So what happened in your life, in your childhood, if anything, to make you the tough like, bloke that you are? I can't pinpoint any one particular thing. Obviously, um, when I was a kid, I... Uh, when I first started boxing, a lot of people couldn't believe it because of my nature, because I'm, I'm quite, quite, I'm a bit of a gentle giant, if, if I may say so myself. So a lot of people, when I started boxing, were like, I, you know, we won't last in boxing, but I always felt I had a point to prove and I always thought because of my size, I, I couldn't just be this size and not be something. I had to go and do something. And I, I, I wanted to prove to myself that I could fight and, and look after myself. And so are you proving it to yourself? I was that... proving it to myself always, yeah. You know, and, and, and my dad was quite a bit, he probably wouldn't mind me saying, he's a bit of a hothead, my dad. You know, he always has been got a different personality to me. He's quite short, short-tempered and he, he's, you know, he's, he's a bit of a hothead compared to me. And when he was younger, you know, he could have a bit of a scrap as well. So I probably felt he had to live up to my dad a little bit without, without realising it at the time. But, just, just trying to trying to think out loud here, and that that's probably something that came in. My dad and my granddad loved the boxing, and boxing was something that, you know, it wasn't as popular as it is now, especially amongst young kids. So if you went into a boxing gym, it was it, now young young lads boxing's kind of ten a penny, which is great, which is what we all want and always have wanted. But when I was younger, it was a little bit different if you went boxing, and I went into that, and. Um, I just got I just got hooked on it and you know a few little skirmishes outside of the ring and things like that especially when you get to the age where the, the hormones start kicking in the testosterone starts coming in and you you want to be the alpha male a little bit and it, it, it's human nature and that that's that's what I had in me and as you get older that kind of subsides 
you know, especially as you go past your mid thirties and feeling it subsiding a bit now, you just chill now. Yeah. And, you know. And you've got nothing left to prove because you've done it all. Yeah, it's different for me. I think, I think I, going back to the chip on the shoulder, I've had that many different people. I've have something to say about my size over the years, and when I was younger, I was quite insecure about my height. I didn't like being this tall because it it was too noticeable, and I got too many things said about it, and it just used to bug me. And when I was younger, it, I, I let it bother me. And if I hadn't have been, who, you know, what I was, the boxer who, who knew, who I knew I could look after myself. I probably would have ended up fighting with a lot of people, but because because I had that inner confidence, you know, like and discipline, I guess. Discipline, you then, yeah. yeah, you know. So it's like they are Bruce Lee, same one. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Was it? Say you do, you or is it, it? Might even be off Cobra Kai or something <laughs> like that. You teach, you teach, you learn karate, so you don't have to use it. Yeah, and it's the same with boxing. You know, you know inside that you can use that, and it's like a quiet confidence. So without that, I probably would have been end, end up in a lot more skirmishes and trouble outside of boxing if it weren't there you know but that toughness thing um probably just just it's it's been developed over the years that definitely definitely developed because it, it, it is in you to a degree but you think back to you think back to them them joint training camps for instance that we used to go on with with kazakhstan's and russia and this that and the other in the middle of nowhere where you know the food was terrible the 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 whole the, the whole place was just proper shit wasn't it shit. wasn't it it was like the old eastern eastern yeah. block and it was it was like it was but and still is toughness was right and the resilience yeah and, and we were fighting every day with them mm. and them spars were like fights yeah. with 10 little old bag house gloves on yeah no padding in yeah that was tough man and the likes of that that's ingrained in me now that'll be ingrained in you you know and i always like to use perspective in life so if i come across a challenge in my life or or something that, that a bit of adversity in something emotionally or physically i i've always got that to refer back to well maybe not them camps something that's happened yeah to me of course yeah career, yeah or where, or where i felt nervous before a fight and yeah. i've gone wow no this i felt this isn't nerve that was nerves yeah let's use perspective yeah. to to ease this situation yeah. so i'm a believer in that as well I always say that that boxing is a snapshot of life. Like the things that we go through in a in a, in a, in a boxing match or career is mirrored exactly in life. You no, know, the, the good, and we're going to come on to your good times. Good times, there's bad times, and it's about how you when you get knocked down in life and in boxing. Like it's what you do in those moments they define you, right? Like when you're like lying down, looking up at the lights, and you want to stay down, and the referee's counting you out. It's like if you find something to get the fuck up and fight on. That defines who you are. It's not necessarily the the belt or, or the winning stuff. It's, it's it's the tough times. So as a kid, as a boxer, what like what did you enjoy about it? Like was it the was it the like respect you got around town? Was it the were you already as a kid thinking about like the money that you could earn in the future? No, never, never, mm. ne never entered my head. I never ever thought about professional boxing until. Mm. Something we have in common. Something we yeah, have. That's something that's very seldom in in GB boxes. Yeah. Like we, and I've heard, I've listened to your interviews. Like all I cared about was the Olympic Games. The Olympics, yeah, that was had, it. Yeah, had I won it. a gold medal, there's yeah. a very good chance I'd have just retired. Really? Because I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't fast about the yeah, pros. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I did the pros because my mum was very ill during for during the Olympics, and I just couldn't do a four another four year cycle, yeah. and then have all my memories come back. Yeah. 
So I needed to just move on. Yeah. But um, so for you as a kid, it was it was what was it, the respect. It was the res- definitely the, the definitely that it was definitely the respect. The respect was probably the number one reason why I kept go- I kept doing it and going and trying to achieve more because I was enjoying the newfound respect I was given, you know, and and um, it wasn't fear. It, it was it was just people respected you a little bit more, and I loved it. I loved that feeling, and and then. That went from respect to admiration as well, and as as I started progressing, and that that that's a great feeling, you know. Um, we've all got egos. That's a great feeling, mate, and that was one of the main things. Um, and I also loved at first, not not so much later on, but I loved getting into the nitty gritty because getting hit was a new thing for me. And I done boxing a little bit when I was a younger man. I was well, I was a kid, eleven. And I didn't like getting hit in the face and I'd cry and to to get out there and cry and all I could spar and all the lads and I, I hated myself for it because I was embarrassed that I didn't last and I left the gym and I always said to myself I've got to go back and prove to myself that I can at least get punched in the face yeah. but I was a baby do you know what I mean in, in hindsight you know that was okay, but in my head it wasn't. So when I went back when I was 14, 14. I started getting yeah. roughed up a little bit in the spas and I was like, hang on, I can, I can deal with this. And that was a great feeling. That was a great feeling. But, uh, you know, you took some beatings when when you first started boxing. You lot took them. You, it's, mate, it's mate, I was... Right of passage, you know. Yeah, you've got to learn. So I was going to ask you, next question was like, so when did you... When did you realize that like I could do this? I could actually I could actually do this because I had no idea I was any good. Honestly, because I was I started when I was twelve and I was by the 14, 15, 16 year olds. When I was 13, I spied the right, the prick. He was 29 years old, he was a copper, right? He, and I was quite big for not as big as you, but I was quite a big kid. See, he thought I was like 15, 16. And he leathered me around the ring every night, he smashed me around the ring every single night. And I'd go home, like bleed a nose, I'd go back. And my coach said to me that he knew I was going to be good then because I'll take a patient from a grown man and come back. And then that says all, oh, right? It speaks, speaks volumes even. And when I eventually kind of, and the gap was getting like smaller and smaller, then when I got better at him, he buggered off. Did he didn't he, come yeah, back anymore. Yeah, yeah, Stole the glory from it. <laughs> took it away. So I didn't know I was any good. Because I, I'd always like lose sparring sessions against guys that are bigger and better than me. And then it sounds silly as it, as it may sound. When I was 15, we went to the Junior Olympics in Brownsville, Texas. And then me and Lou Campbell, the only two guys in the whole squad to win the gold medal. And I won the best boxer tournament, the most outstanding boxer tournament, right? And for me, there's a moment of clarity. We're on the airplane coming back, British Airways flight, and the captain said a big congratulations to Anthony Ogogo and Luke Campbell, just won the Junior Olympics, and the whole airplane applauded, right? And that was the moment I thought, I'm going to do this forever. This, this, this is what I want to do. Because up to that point, I was training like twice a week in the occasional England squad on Crystal Palace. But that was the moment I thought, this is this is where I've got to live. I want I, I want the, the the applause all the time. And um, so for yourself, was there like a, a definite moment you thought this is me, or was it like a gradual process? It was a gradual process, but I think once I started getting invited to the uh, England camps in Crystal Palace, so I'd, I'd only had an handful of fights at this time, but they took me in because of my size, and there was not really much competition, but also they recognised that I had talent, and it was as soon as I went on them. 
and and it was a baptism of fire. By the way, do you, do you ever remember the blisters on your feet after your mate, first Crystal Palace weekend? You, you couldn't walk. Could yeah, you? and that was, was trying wow. to four. That's four sessions wow. a day, wasn't it? Back four in sessions a day, and I got battered by some middleweight from Sheffield. And I never <laughs> heard him after it, but he battered me. And 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 then I got out the ring, and they were like, skip four rounds, and I couldn't even skip. Every time I was trying to skip, the rope was at my foot, and I was like, oh, this is. This has all gone Pete Song here in my first England camp. And that was in the January. And I come home feeling disheartened. My body was in bits. And I was like, wow, I don't think I can do that. But then the next day was, the, to come home on the Sunday, the next day was Monday and it was back to my old club. And I got up and went. And then I was like, I can't wait to go back there and do that again. And then it was at that point, it was then I started seeing, this was before... Might have just been, yeah, this was before the Sydney Olympics. So I didn't even know much about Olympic boxing. But then I started following the Olympics, followed Audley Addison. And for me, Audley Addison was like a bit of a big, big inspiration for me. A big inspiration for what he'd done in the Olympics. And that was when the Olympics became a thing in my head. It was like everything, the Olympian tag and, you know, such, such a, a rare thing in this world is an Olympian. And that for me was like, that's what I need to get to, and then and then on only then will I think about anything else because that that was like tunnel vision for that. Mm. Do you remember the first piece of adversity like you faced as a boxer or in life in general? Really, what are you talking about? By in adversity? terms of like like setback, like I presume you started boxing, and I presume yeah. you you were good. You got picked up the England squad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and like, yeah. was the first time you thought, "Fuck!" Like, yeah, you started to question things. Okay, yeah, so. One of one of the times was um, I had I had my sixth fight in the northeast against a lad called David Pendleton. I don't know whether you remember him. David Pendleton. He got called David Pashmore as well. He won an ABA title eventually, and I'd beat him in my fifth fight. Um, and then the next time we we had a return. He was a good boxer, and it was colder and where it fought him. Anyway, he won the fight on points, close fight. Probably should have given it to, to him. To be told, but I ate my thumb. Uh, in the last round and my, my tongue was destroyed for like nearly 18 months and I couldn't use my right hand properly and I thought I was never ever going to get better. How old and, are you and this, and night, this was 17 and I was already be, this, I'd already been on an England camp so I'd had the taste for what, what I wanted to go for and this was like this was bad I couldn't we just couldn't get it figured out and it's never been the same since to be honest the, the tongue's like stuck in that position I can't bend it but it eventually put it in a splint and it was it was a I had to play a waiting game to see what was gonna happen. Now, at this stage, and, and and obviously from this stage I should say boxing was was everything to me because it was giving me my identity. Of course. It was you were David me, Price. Yeah. The boxer. I was the boxer yeah. now. And it was giving me the identity. It was giving me this well, this respect and admiration. My family were proud as anything because I'd got onto an England camp and I'd surprised them all. None of them thought, none of them could see it coming. So almost, they were all surprised pleasantly. And then all of a sudden, this was potentially going to be taken away. Um, and I went to, um, I, I went down to an England camp later, like six months later, and it was in a splint. And I was just using my left hand. And I thought, I'm never going to be able to use this right hand again. But I, I was, the thought of cutting my thumb off even coming to me, not me personally, but. <laughs> I thought to myself, I wondered if I could get my thumb cut yeah. off. So 
it won't hurt when I'm punching. Yeah. That was how desperate I was. Yeah, mate, to, I've been there. You know, <laughs> you well, you have. You know, so I'd I forgot about that until I've just just been talking. <laughs> then you know that that that's how much desperation was there to compete and and succeed. You know, that was the first little bit, but there was plenty more, obviously. But that was the first one of the memory in boxing. Yeah. And at that point, you were so doughty, and the thought of quitting and giving up didn't even come on your. You'd rather Things. cut your thumb off oh, to no. box, yeah, than give up and do. That something. was that yeah. was it, yeah, yeah. So for me, my first was uh, I boxed Joe Selkirk in yeah. ABAs. I was there. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I, was I remember. There. Oh, yeah. uh, mate, that 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 whole thing. Yeah. That that rocked me, mate. That honestly, like looking back now, that set me back years. Yeah, you were seconds away from winning as well. Yeah. And so, then, but I got punched in the back of the head. Okay. Punched me in the back of the head, okay. and that's the thing that for me, I kept I held the whole bitterness of it all. I got yeah. boxed him, and nobody really gave me a chance. I was the young. I was seventeen. Yeah. I was going to become the youngest welterweight to win the ABAs. Was you seventeen in the senior ABAs? You really? Yeah. yeah so yeah. I think they changed the rules to let Amir Khan go that's to the right. Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Changed from like was it nineteen to seventeen? I think, and I was literally I just turned seventeen. So that was your cue to that's to my, get in, then, mate, yeah. That's my yeah. thing. I'd honestly, like, listen, if spots, maybe who knows what would have happened. I genuinely believe that had I've so I boxed Elkirk, and I think the final the final score he stopped me in like the second dugout. Right? Yeah. And what happened is I think I was like six points up or seven points up going after round. After I think eight, I was like I think I was nine nil up. Right? Yeah. I was winning. I was boxing his ears off. I boxed mm. so well, mm. and it's as you know Selkirk, really yeah. talented boxer. Yeah, yeah. Could blow hot and cold, mm. but like really talented. Had a big punch. Big puncher. Yeah, yeah. Huge punch. I think he was 21, 22. I was seventeen. Mm. And then um, boxing his ears off, I boxed so, so well. And that was my world title fight. If I yeah. beat him, I win the ABAs, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then at the end of round three, it's four twos back then, he threw me to the floor and he's cracking me on the back of the head with his backhand. And I'm on my hands and knees. And I was gone, mate. I was right. gone. Uh, I, yeah. I'm, no, it was the first time I'm, I was concussed in my entire life. Yeah. And then I went, um, staggered to the corner. I don't know how I got up. And I was boxing off pure instincts. And my yeah. coach said to me that he was sure that the referee was going to disqualify him. Yeah, yeah. And then he didn't. I'm boxing. I don't remember anything. I, I remember we drove home that night. I remember about four hours later, I'm in the car and I'm shivering. I have no recollection of anything after that. And yeah. then, um, yeah, he's hit me in the back of the head. And then the final score would have been 11-3. That's where the score was when he, when he, when he stopped me, with like three seconds to go. And then two points were a public warning because I was holding, mm. so I couldn't, I, mm. I didn't know what was going on. And he hit me once, and they said he hit me, th said he dropped me three times. One was a blatant push. Anyway, they said I'm not, you know, it was it was 2006, it was a long, long time ago. Right? <laughs> it's, it's still I haven't awesome. quite, as you can tell, I haven't quite <laughs> let it go. But the thing is, like, I got stopped in a boxing match, and, yeah, I, and, yeah, I, and I was yeah. boxing so well. Had I, that not happened, I think I would have went on to the be to Beijing, and that mm. affected me so badly that like. I regressed by a couple of years. Mm. And I had this thing where like, because I'd been stopped, right? No matter how, yeah. and I'd been concussed and punched in the back of the head. Up until that fight, I'd never been hurt before. In a sparring session, in a fight. After that, and it was a pure mental thing. Every time I got hit with a jab, even with a jab, I'd like, my, my legs would wobble. Mm. It was all mental. Mm. And then, I did this weird thing where like, I was, and I don't know if you've done, if this happened to yourself as well, like later on in your career, but like, I'd be too scared to close the distance. Mm. So I'd throw punches from too far out. Yeah. Then of course miss, then get whacked. So I think if I get too close, I'm going to get hit. So mm. I'm going to punch from too far away. Mm. I miss, I'm going to get hit anyway. It's like gun shy, innit? And I got gun shy. Yeah, yeah. And had you ever felt that in your, in your career? Or yeah, I, 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 got, I, I did, yeah. I think I did after the first Tony Thompson fight. Because, one. you know, everything that was hitting was falling over. Yeah. And, and after that, 
in the spa in the build up to the second fight, I got dropped again in sparring and I was questioning my punch resistance and my head fell off a little bit. Um and the same commitment just weren't there. Although I still had some knockout victories after it, I did that that belief weren't there, that and a bit of bit of apprehension setting. And it only takes one little little minor bit of apprehension and tentativeness. And if that tension comes in, the 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 punch power to, uh, yeah. decreases dramatically, yeah. doesn't it? And the flow just goes, you know, in a flow state, are you? So I, I definitely did have that, I think, after the... Um, so I know. struggled for a while, as I said. It took me, I got I got it back, but it took me mm. 18 months to two years, but which point Beijing time, yeah. Yeah. gone. And, and I've I listened to some of your interviews. You said, like, later on in your career, you started seeing a sports psychologist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you not think about seeing somebody... Like, what are your feelings of, like, feelings of, like with counselling or, or therapy? Mm. Did you not think about, like... Maybe employing somebody at that point in your career? No, because my pride wouldn't let me. Because I seen it as a weakness, and and it was a foolish thing to think, and an immature thing to think. But as I got older, I mean, I did after the first Tony, the second Tony Thompson fight, I worked with a fellow called Terry McAlinney, who was like an NLP specialist, and he was good. Um, but then after after a while, I thought, right, I don't need him anymore. I'm, I'm sound. And then I got knocked out for a European title fight. Done work with another fellow called Brian McCready. Again, good, and but then the, the the ego started telling me you don't need this. It looks bad. It looks it looks looks weak. So then, the very last one I used was a guy from America, and and at that point I was open. I was completely open to this at yeah. this stage, and and he was he was really good. Um, and I wish I would have used him after the Olympics. Yeah. You know, yeah. beyond. But it's just it's just. Your you, your mind when you're younger, your your maturity is a little bit different. And like you uh, said, no. growing up in this city, um, and I've always I've I've loved Liverpool for yeah. years. I've got a funny thing with Liverpool because, like, on one hand, I won the world here in 2005, yeah, yeah. the World Cadets under 17. That long ago, yeah. 2005 yeah, yeah. became well, and nobody I could live I could die tomorrow. I could live to 120 years old. Nobody can take away that World Cadet Championship. World champion, me. yeah. Now it's here, St. Mm. George's Hall, mm. and there's an amazing city. Then the very next year, the Selkirk thing happened. Mm. And then, like, I've had a funny relationship with Liverpool for, for years and years. But like yeah, you said yeah. earlier, like, being from this city, you have got a sense of pride. It's like a big chip on your shoulder. It might yeah. be even it's harder. It's a hard to city. Kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a hard city. So, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Open to the counselling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, you've, yeah. you know, you're... Yeah, you learn to, we don't need this. Kind yeah, of thing, you know? and, and obviously, as you're getting older, a lot more people are becoming open to how important mental health is because mm. my mental health did suffer quite a bit throughout my boxing career. Yours has for different reasons and mm. same reasons as me. But what you're saying with getting over the self-hurty feet, that in layman's terms is depression, mm. anxiety. And it is, you know, you, you, one, one of the hardest things about losing a fight is the, the, emo, the emotional, it's, it can be like grief. It can be like grief, you know. Yeah, and like when I lost my career as well, I, I yeah. mourned my career like yeah. I'd lost, you know, a sibling. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. Life. Big party has been taken away. Yeah. So it's 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 meant it's it's a mental health thing. So for, for us not to take care of that, like we take care of our bodies as an athlete, it's it's madness, really, isn't it? So I think it should be instilled into every young athlete to. To do what they can, whether whether it's mindfulness or whether it's speaking to someone about anything, that, you know, it's 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 become a lot more open thing to talk about yeah. now. Yeah. Mental health, but well, years ago, and rightly so as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years ago, especially in boxing, yeah, it's like, wow. macho, isn't yeah, it? Macho, yeah, macho, yeah, 
for me, that first piece of adversity for me was like what I struggled with. And I think you've, I think I might be wrong in saying that you've had the same battle or or situation with the, with the unfairness of it all. You fought two guys that failed drugs tests. Uh, you know, especially for Tony Thompson one, you know, like I cannot, you know, I think these, I think, I think drug cheats in boxing are the worst people because they're not just stealing money out of your pocket, which they do, but they, they're potentially damaging your health. You know, we get punched in the head. You only get one head, you only get one brain. And they're, they're, they're the fucking, they're the worst, worst, worst people. And again, it's the if, but maybe, and you've been very honest in interviews in the past, you said, well, if it didn't happen then, you losing Thompson, it would happen like a fight or two down the road. Yeah, but, but it's besides the point. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah and also yeah, that yeah. fight down the road, that could have been, that could have been, for a world title, we get paid five million pounds. Well, it probably would have been against Sice and Fury. Hmm. That, that's what it probably would have been against. So, it's the bitterness. Like, how know. do you deal with that bit, the, the unfairness? That's yeah. the unfair well, thing. Well, that, that was, that was, the, the worst part was when I initially found out, obviously time, time has allowed me to digest it all and let it go. And maturity and yeah, experience and I've stuff. had to let that go. But it, it, was, a sore sub, it was a sore subject for a, for a while. But the thing is with boxing as well, there's so many cynical people involved in boxing when it comes to opinions. And a lot of people have, have just the opinion uh, he's a got beat anyway. He's a got beat anyway. But they don't understand the the advantages someone does get from using performance and enhancing drugs in a, in, a, in a boxing match. You know, it's it's not only in the fight. It's 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 the gains they're getting during the training camp. Yeah, of the course. Recovery, yeah. You know, mm. the the how it must feel seeing the results go up through the roof. Mm. It's also then the mental side of things. They must feel like they can run through walls and. Is is little old me on the creatine and the multivitamins thinking I feel great, but maybe but and then I've lost one of the fights and then doubting myself for losing the fight and not getting told about the person being on the drugs f for two years because he was appealing it and in that period they weren't allowed to disclose what had happened. So if I'd have been told sooner, maybe that would have cushioned the blow a little course, bit and made yeah. me look at it a little bit differently and go, okay, I had reason with it and it give me maybe reasons why it happened. Help, help me. Um, to recover from it mentally a little bit, but I just got I just got left. So it's a sore. It is a sore subject, and they are scumbags. They are scumbags. The people who do it, you know, um, it's like the height of uh, dishonesty. Mm. You know, it really is disgusting. I want to know, like, how did you? You said you let it go, and it's so much easier said than done. Letting it go. I've tried to let so many things go, and I'm in a good place now. But for years, I wasn't. I was pissed off. How did you let it go? I just, I don't know, I just had to move on to the next thing, I suppose. I mean, I, I, if I, as soon as I started competing again, I could only focus on what was in front of me. There was no point thinking about that bastard done that to me. And, you know, and, you know, neither of them went on to do great things. But that, again, besides the point, I may well have. I may well have. I mean, you did, and you did. Yeah, you yeah, did but I might, might have gone, gone beyond. Of course, of course. And it, would, it might have just been a whole lot different, but... It is a bit of a cliche. I just just weren't meant to be that way for me, you know. And I'm also honest in saying, and and it's a, and it's not a bad thing to say is when you can when I can accept how good I actually was, whereas Price is going to do this, he's going to do that. I'll go look at this, and when when the dust settled after all the hype and, and all the careers ended, and I've ended up and it's settled and I've ended up at that level, 
I'm I'm comfortable with that. I'm okay with that because I know I know I'll give everything. I couldn't have done any more, you know. The only thing I could have done differently is if is maybe had had a better chin, and I didn't because I was vulnerable. I was quite fragile as far as having a great chin is concerned. But that that was only to to reach world level, yeah. you know. And that's no shame in that, mm. you know. I, I won I won everything I did in the amateurs. I won all the British Commonwealth and all that. I was I was steady enough to do that, but just not quite at that better level. And there's no shame in that. No, I'm okay with that. So two thousand. So I mentioned a minute ago. Like I think boxing is a snapshot of life. There's times in in the boxing career when things are going really well for you, right? Like you like you become Midas. Everything you touch turns to gold. Every fight you win, Been there, yeah. you're injury free. Yeah. And then, in my opinion, as a fan and as a mate, watching you in from two thousand seven to two thousand eight. That was one of your one of oh, your yeah. halcyon days. Yeah, you were yeah, yeah. on fire. Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. You go and win a gold medal here, knock yeah. out this guy, knock out that guy, knock Just out that guy. Just starting to knock people out yeah. regular then. Um, what was you, it? Was it a confidence thing? No, I think it was a, a, a maturity thing physically. It was just starting to physically get stronger. And I was working quite a bit with Bob Dylan. Do you remember Bob? Yeah, I love Bob. Love Bob. And, and, and love Bob. Great, we loved great, you. Great, great guy. Yeah, he was put, putting a lot of emphasis on committing to committing me punches completely. 100% commitment through me punching me right yeah. hand especially and um, Great coach, got into Bob. my head got into my head and uh, my confidence was just growing and growing and growing so I got to the point where I thought I only had to land the right hand and I'd knock anyone out and I had I even had that I even had that belief going into the Olympic semi-final and went into it a little bit don't you know, a little bit relaxed when really I should have been absolutely on edge ready you know, adrenaline, and it weren't there. It weren't there for, for a couple of reasons. For that reason, one, and also because I'd had, like when you beat the Ukrainian. You beat the Russian, another one of our similarities, mate. Yeah. You beat the favourite, the yeah. world champion like in your that. first like fight. Like that, Was that your first fight? Was, I fought the first day. That was my yeah. second fight, but that was my... Was that, that your, my final? Was that your medal fight? That was my. I fought about the Dominican the first day of competition, so the Saturday yeah. after the opening ceremony. Yeah, I boxed the Ukrainian, and then I had to box again okay. for a middle. There. But I know what you mean. Like okay. that's the World Cup final. Yeah, right? and it was a bit of a struggle to get that. It was weird, and and you might have heard me say in an interview, I, it took me eighteen months. So you're talking about adversity, and 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 when it took you two years to get over one. It took me till I become British champion to let go losing that Olympic semi-final the way I did yeah. because I didn't perform. and Because you were I, bitter, weren't you? You were very bitter oh, after the Olympic Games. And yeah, I shared yeah, that bitterness. Yeah, yeah. I was so, so bitter. Oh, but was, was you, were myself. you bitter at yourself? At myself, yeah. Yourself. At myself. Okay. Because I think I could have done more in the semi-final. I do, but although... Uh, I could only do what he was letting me do though because he was such a good fighter mm, and he had really. my number mm. and I think he'd have beaten me nine times out of ten but if ever there was a time to beat him it was then but I thought only have to land this right hand it's, it's on the rushing in the first fight the second fight uh, I, I, I hit the lad with the right hand and his back bent back that far something happened to his leg and he had to pull him out so I was like this right hand is just, just it's the kryptonite and you know it was like a, a double-edged sword because it was kind of like the undoing of me so you put so much onus on it because you know you've got yeah, it yeah, equalizer yeah. And... yeah i got, got too much onus on it and um it took a while to actually let the let that bitterness go 
Ananzi Mori put it after the London Olympics. He went to the f- uh, not the Olympics, the Wimbledon. Went to Wimbledon, and then he went to the French Open or, or the Australian Open after Wimbledon, something like that. He won Wimbledon first time. Poor performly, uh, performed poorly in in the Open wherever it was. US and, Open, I think. And I think I think he said the high of winning Wimbledon was that high. The coming down and getting back up was near impossible, and I, and I could resonate with that. And I was like, I think that's what happened to me in the Olympics. Now, I think that's what separates the best because from from the rest, that someone who's someone who's done that and can keep that same level of momentum, they've they've got something which I didn't have now. No loss gets any easier in boxing, no matter how many times you lose. Because if you if you're a born winner and a, a sportsman at art, nothing else matters except the results. And ah, oh, kill me. So the business after the big games, and it was always you were always going to turn pro. Actually, no, you because you were so focused on the Olympic games. So for me, as I said earlier, like my mum, my mum had a brain aneurysm just before the Olympic games. So my Olympics were awful. I didn't train. I was it's the worst time of my life. Actually, the Olympic games for me it was it was really difficult. So I. And at this point, she was still in a coma. She hadn't, we didn't know if she was going to live or die at this point. So I had to turn pro. I was the first guy to turn pro because I just couldn't, I, I didn't even want to turn pro, if I'm honest. I just didn't want to just go through three and a half years and come back to that moment and, and have all, all life flooding back. So I turned pro. So what was that about you that made you turn pro? So your focus from the Olympic gold yeah. medal to, to the world title? I'd, I had had enough of the amateur system at that point, mm. just the, the being in Sheffield, being away from home, I had a young family. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. It was time it? for a new challenge for yeah. me. Yeah, I, I, I was I was bored of going to the same tournaments, and it is hard. It, you know, it, it's the tough. Strand, the Stranger Cup, fucking oh. the the box aisle. Makes your balls shrink up in your tummy, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, mate. It does. And the training camps were, were tough, you know. So, and also I'm at the butt end, but every when you fight as an elite amateur. Every fight's a hard fight, isn't it? Yeah, like, every single fight. Well, to be honest, I couldn't wait to, <laughs> to have a few easier <laughs> yeah, fights. Yeah, I get that. I was like, I'm looking forward to this little bit of a blow for him, fighting the best all the time, because I'd, that had been in that, that situation from the age of 17 to 25. I spent eight, eight years of fighting the best in the world at whatever age level or whatever it was, and uh, I was looking forward to a bit of a break from that. And it was time for a new chapter, a new challenge, but... Because I'd lost in the semi-finals by a stoppage, it it like made the interest die down. After the first fight in the Olympics, Frank Warren was writing articles about me and everything, but then he seen me lose by stoppage. Everyone went quiet. So I was like, where boxing, is everyone? Eh? Yeah, where, boxing, uh, eh? yeah, where is everyone? And, uh, but anyway, I'd, 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 I'd done it at turn pro and at first, it was such a buzz for me because it was new style of fighting, three-minute rounds, Stay, you know, training while I was at home, new trainers involved. It was exciting, like anything new is. It was, it was, it was fun again, yeah. So I, I was happy, happy to, uh, to have done it. So you signed a haymaker. Um, interesting because, I mean, it was David Hayes, obviously, promotion about David Hay. I heard you say in an interview that they made you feel wanted. Yeah. Uh, they made you, they made you feel good and... Do you was that important to you to feel like wanted to have that belief? Yeah, yeah, they they un, undoubtedly because because you're quite a confidence. Like in my experience, in my as as, you know, as a fan watching you, like I feel like when you were like 
all sports about confidence, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, but especially boxing and especially heavyweight boxing. Yeah, yeah. I think the rules that apply to boxing, I think heavyweight boxing is just magnified more. Everything's just magnified yeah. more. Um, and I think you were like a big confidence guy, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. When you're on it, mate, you were like almost unbeatable. Definitely, definitely. Some people have, some people have, have found confidence, whether they're in shape, whether they've been performing in the gym, they'll have that, they'll, they'll pull it out of them somewhere. But I, my confidence, a lot of my confidence was based on how well I prepared, um, how well I was performing in the gym, and how well I was performing in my previous fights. And going into my professional career, I'd lost my last fight, and you're only as good as your last fight. And my confidence was like, it was, yeah. it was low. Was it? It was low. And, and even though I'd lost the Olympic champion, and I'd done what I'd done, all that... That you know, if if you if you put a pile of good stuff done there and bad and wrong things that went wrong there, that'd far outweigh that if you put it on scales. But I'd focus on that, and that was what I was focusing on. But that didn't take long once I turned pro to start getting the the confidence back, and that came from going and testing myself and sparring with like top fighters. That's where to get that. And Dave Dave was one of them. Dave Dave was one of them. And they did make me feel wanted. And they were the men, they were the guys to be with at the time. They yeah, were the boys, cool, mate. Yeah, they were cool. Yeah. They were they were different than the outside the box, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was it was good to uh, to work with them and they made me feel feel great really at first. But that didn't last long because the T V deal that they had Satanta. went. Mm. And after my first fight, I had to get a new um I had to get a new promoter, which was Frank Loney. So I had one fight with Amaker and then was out in the cold again. It was just like, it was just, oh, just typical of what was, what was to be ahead for me, just ups and downs. Mate. But it's just a good story. Hand on my heart, this isn't just because you're, you're here. You were one of the few people that I could watch and enjoy and be happy for because we weren't the same way. No chance of us fighting each other. Well, now maybe, but like, <laughs> not back yeah. then, 11 stone and, and 17 stone. And I could, you're a bit older than me, I could be genuinely happy for you. Yeah. There's like people like Callum Smith and other guys around my way. I was like, fuck, I'm better than them. Why can't I do that, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Um, human so, nature. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But an 18 month period, how good was that? Like knocking guys out and being on TV and main event in here wow. and Sky Sports. It was great. It was great. Was that the best time of your career, do you think? Are you, are you talking the first 18 months so, or are you talking when I, when I was on the ascendancy and people started from, talking? So turning pro, to, to from turning pro to Matt Skelton. Oh yeah, that they, that was that was they were the golden days. Like they were the golden days. There was a period between, I'd say, between early two thousand and eleven to late two thousand twelve, where I'd look back as the best, the best days of me boxing career. Like so, Tom Dallas yeah. knocked him out in round two. Yeah, John McDermott, who just beaten Tyson Fury, yeah, didn't get yeah. the decision, but he booked. Uh, round one for yeah. the English title. Yeah. Sam Sexton, my mate, he always despise all the time yeah. for the British and Commonwealth. Round yeah. four. Audley Harrison, the Battle of the Olympians. Yeah. Round one, you retained your belt. Matt, Matt Skelton, round two. Um, so what I want to ask you is, like, <laughs> this is, so did you begin to believe the hype? Because yeah. I had my debut, Kieran Gray, Sheffield. I wasn't really a puncher. I was middleweight. I was fast. I was yeah. quick. I was nimble. I knocked out Kieran Gray. For <laughs> the 10,000 people, I genuinely thought I was Mike Tyson. <laughs> Honestly, mate, it took me one, it took me one fight. <laughs> so that was on a Saturday night. Steve Bunce called me Monday morning for an interview, and I was like, ah, oh, big time. It was, yeah. 
Bunsy, yeah, mate. Uh, I thought it was Mike Tyson. <laughs> and then the next fight is a six-round point. It's a bit boring. And yeah. I thought, I'm not Mike Tyson. Yeah. So for you, having all those knockout wins against credible opponents, did you begin to believe that you were the, the head to the throne? I don't, I don't know whether I truly believed it in my heart of hearts. I always, I always had my own, my own doubts. You know, there, there was, there was times where I thought I might get found out sooner. You know, really? because, yeah, yeah, because not, not, not often, but you know, thoughts would creep into my head. I worry in case one of them not what they're saying. I am, you know. What, uh, what, what was that? What, what was that? What was the seed of doubt that grew? Possibly. The fact that um, maybe maybe how my amateur career ended, you know, had a couple of stoppage defeats in the amateurs, um, but there was nothing to suggest in the pros that it was going to happen. But I knew what it was like to fight at the highest level. Now I weren't someone who'd won the ABAs and like started knocking everyone out at British level in the pros and thought I'll do this to everyone. I knew how good the best were. Do you know what I mean? So I always knew. It's gonna get tougher this and can I do it? I don't know. But at one point when the momentum was was going and I was knocking everyone out, I probably did think a lot of the time I can go all the way here. But but there was always a doubt. There was always a doubt. And I'm gutted I had them doubts because if it didn't, things might have been a little bit different. Who knows, right? Yeah, and and you know, in hindsight. You, you you can say what you want and you can you can say what you want and it can be wrong but people will soon forget about it and move on to the next thing you, you know within reason you can say i'm going to do this i'm going to win this and that i'm the next big thing and i never actually come out and said that probably because of me modest nature anyway but i didn't want to put myself on that pedestal in case it in case it, it went wrong when really you should have said it because you could have talked it into existence or if I would have said it more I might have believed it more but I was I was yeah it, it was the, the the punch that was there but it was always the fear of it's gonna happen when I get caught here properly you know I'll get carried on the chin because you know I know I know from my own experience I've had countless times in sparring where I've been bumped being it whoa buzzed buzzed sometimes off off a hard jab you know off the wrong person do you know what I mean like a David day jab boom boom and you've gone 10 ounce gloves on you know and and, and I can talk about this now because I'm not a boxer anymore but when I was a boxer I'd, I wouldn't would never course, disclose yeah, any of, of that course, yeah. you're like no 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 but yeah. you know it, uh, so that that was always that 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 probably creeped in at times but that was a great time I look back at that and sometimes you know, when you look back at certain periods in your life and you get a bit depressed thinking about it not, not, not like manically depressed, but you yeah, get that little pang yeah, of... Yeah, little pang of regret. Yeah, yeah, like nostalgia and yeah. I look back and I think they were great times, but, but it was just a fleeting moment in my life. Mm. You know, it, it was just, yeah. yeah, you know, so here we are now. But uh, they, they, that was that was a fantastic time. It's on everyone's lips. It's on everyone's tweets. I was like in, starting to get talked about in America. It was just going, it was looking good. Um, and... I don't like talking about it too much because it will make me feel a little bit. And it's only times like this I will when we're sitting talking openly on a podcast or whatever. But I don't sit talking to me mates about it or. I think me. it's important, like, like maybe maybe drawing a line after that Mask Allen fight 
and looking back previous and just being happy for what that was. Yeah. Like enjoying the journey. Mm. Like like yeah, obviously the Thompson thing happened next, which yeah. unfortunately we're gonna cover now, but like that that few year period, mate. Yeah, not many months. people even get to experience no. that. Even people who've gone. Well, on I had one night. Titles. I knocked out Kieran Gray for my ability and hard work. I had one night where I thought I was David Price. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's look at let's look at someone like Terry Flanagan, mm-hmm. world champion. No, I'm I'm bet me dollar, be bottom dollar that more people knew and watched me than they did him and spoke about me more and you know supported me. And I'm not I'm not picking on him. Oh, great, no. great fighter. Yeah, I'm just yeah, using as an it. example of, of and it, you know people like him. He won a world title. He mm. didn't get to experience that mm. fanfare. Yeah, you know, and his theory of glamour with that and mm. everything like that. So I, I do appreciate it. Good. I'm yeah. glad, mate. We mentioned earlier. I mentioned a couple of times about the, the the boxing life analogy, where sometimes things are going really good. Then sometimes you walk onto that punch and your life just changes. Yeah, right? yeah. It happened to me uh, with my eye. My life literally changed. It happened to me twice in my life. My mum getting ill. My, my sister called me. I was on the squad. Yeah. Just ran around the bowl. Uh, my sister ran me saying, get home now. Mum's about to die. And it was five weeks before the Olympic Games and she had a big, big brain aneurysm. And I'm very, very happy that she didn't die. Yeah, She's still with yeah, us today, yeah. which I'm very proud of. But at the time, I thought she was going to die. And my life, I've seen my life oftentimes like, Pre-mum's aneurysm, post-aneurysm, or pre-Olympics and post-Olympics, because I've wrapped the whole thing. The good good, good times before, Mm. yeah. Mm, Yeah. Exactly, and same with my eye, like with the boxing, like pre-eye, like boxing me, wherever I am now, wrestler, podcaster, mad, odd guy me. And with yourself, like is it the same, that that one punch against Tony Thompson changed your course, like massively? Mm. Yeah, how I, did you like mental health wise, like emotionally, even your family? Like, how did that affect you, and that, what knock on effect did it have on you, on your wife and your kids? Yeah, well, I'd, uh, I was definitely depressed uh, at the second Tony Thompson fight. Well, the first one, I had the chance to put it right straight away, so I could focus on that. And what we spoke about before, what happened with that, and and, and everything else going into that fight. Um, but after that one, that was kind of like the final nail in the coffin on 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 the David Price of pre Tony Thompson that was it, it was, he was gone and depression depression did set in then um, you know depress- yeah, just, just depression it should have been a happy time as well you know my kids were babies you know, everything was good at home with me with my missus he was just, I just bought a new house that we were moving into but but, but my heart was was broken really because, yeah. of, because of what had happened in, in, in a boxing fight and it's all like people saying, look, it's only sport, it's 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 your job, blah, blah, blah. But you know yourself, if you put so much in, your heart and soul has gone into it. And when you feel like this is the end, this is the end of David Price as we know him or, or my career as I know it, it was tough to take and it, it, took, it took a while, you know, to get out. Even though I started fighting again and, and had a few wins, I went over to Germany, worked with the Sowlands, who you've done a bit with, didn't you, with the Sowlands? Um, went over to Germany had a few wins, it just didn't feel the same. It just didn't feel the same anymore. But I just kept doing it because I still had something in me saying, I can get back to where that was. I can get back to where it was. But it just never, ever did come back to that. Do you know what I mean? I think I think we should talk about like you coming back from two from two fights. A guy who doesn't lose often. A guy that was you know, meant to be the next the next 
kids go over next Tyson, yeah, the guy yeah. who's going to dominate for the next 10 years. I mean, to come back, to suffer two defeats and come back, like, that takes so much guts, man. Mm. That takes a lot of lot of balls, a lot of bollocks to get back up. And yeah. when you've had, uh, I've written a couple of things down, like the commentator, um, the commentator, you're 29 years old again in the first Thompson fight. Yeah. And the commentator said, and you were on, in the corner taking a few shots, and he said, David Price's career is hanging on by a thread. Yeah. And I yeah, thought, and yeah. I watched it last night thinking, mate, like, yeah. I know you're a, you're a, you're a broadcaster, you got to do your job, but yeah. mate, he, he's a baby. Mm. Like 29, heavyweight is, 29 is a young man, right? Yeah. As a heavyweight, you're a baby and you're writing this guy off. Like, how did, did yeah. the did negative press affect you? Is that what led yeah. to the, the, the depression? Is on, on top of the, like you said, you I, put your heart and soul. I avoided it. I avoided it. Just didn't read it. Just because I knew, I knew what would be getting said and, and, that's the first time I've heard you say I've heard that getting said, and but it doesn't surprise me. Um because I've heard, shocked, it, I've heard it when other fighters are fighting. Yeah. The thing is with boxing, it's it's funny boxing because it's the only sport where if you lose a couple of times, people start calling for you to pack in. Now, there is such a thing as a boxer who can compete and still entertain the fans, still take it seriously and still still do it passionately. They're not the best, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. if, if if everyone was the best, the, the sport wouldn't exist. There, there has course. to be levels in course, boxing, yeah. and, you know that it's the only sport. You know other sports. Especially even even let's let's look more closely to boxing MMA. They don't start calling people to retire no. if they lose no. a fight, but boxing. I'm, I'm guessing that was John Rowland. You know, John Rowland mm. was on Box Nation. I think I think it might have been and John Rowland. I know what you're gonna say now. Yeah, yeah. He, he well. You said you won your debut. Yeah. You won the first round, and he said, "He said it, yeah." He, he said, "Oh, David Price's round, almost it. in a surprise." It was like he was surprised. It was him. Mm. Yeah. So he, he, he'd, he'd made his mind up on me yeah. before I'd even yeah. started my career, and yeah. even though we might have warmed to me a bit in the better times, as soon as things went wrong, he couldn't wait to. Couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. He to was put, right all along. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, his career's on a thread type of yeah. thing, but that probably got said a few times, and I just kept. I just kept persevering. It was it was a big word for me in in the end, perseverance. Yeah, you know it's a, it's a really strong thing to to have in your arsenal. We spoke at the very beginning, and your perseverance paid your house off. Your perseverance, you know, I'm and I'm I'm sorry for talking about you. I've just I've read a lot about yeah, you. Yeah, listening. yeah, yeah. But your perseverance got you the success, and they said at the beginning, not the success in terms of the belt, mm. but the success in terms of being a successful father, successful husband. Mm. Providing a house and roof over the head for your mm. kids, like if you had had you you said your exact words were had you given up when all those experts, all the pundits were saying, "Oh, Dave, give up now, mate, give up now." Right now, you'd be working on the building site yeah. as a labourer, yeah. but you persevered, and you're now here talking yeah. to me. Yeah. You have a great career behind you. Uh, so you said you said before the Thompson fight, or maybe after the first one, definitely before the second one, you had a fear of failure. You said you weren't, oh, you, you said in an interview, you weren't f scared of getting knocked out or embarrassed, but you, just fear, like you had the fear of failure. What about failure were you scared of? Was it the people not caring about David Price, the boxer anymore? The phone not ringing anymore? Possibly how people seen me. Possibly, it was probably how people people seeing me as a failure, and, and I probably labelled myself as a failure. Because um, they said at the beginning, you, you went back to the boxing gym to prove to yourself. Yeah. You've always been against it, like battling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, 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 um, 
this chimp in it, the chimp in your head, you know, it's it's the it's the it's the good devil on it's the devil there and it's the angel on there. And we all have these conversations with ourselves in our heads. And I, I am my own worst enemy for proving things to myself. And it it's never it's never been about proving to other people. Now I, I remember my dad saying to me before the second Tony Thompson fight, um, you know, prove prove all these wrong, prove all these wrong. And I said, it's not about proving people wrong for me. It's about proving to myself, and it's just that's just in me. That that's how it is. So, so yeah, the it, the fear of failure though was probably it was probably the thought of going from when I was a kid, I was an apprentice uh, plumbing, heating engineer, and then I've gone into professional boxing and you're a professional sportsman then, and the thought of having to go back to nine to five job, I thought that would be a failure, especially considering the position I'd been in. When the reality is 99% of boxers will have to go into a nine to five job again or, or do something to, to, to make money because you finish boxing at an average age of 34, 35, you're gonna live for another 45 years, hopefully at least. You need to go out and make money yeah. and unless you've you've made astronomical amounts, you're gonna have to do it, but in my, in my silly, immature head, that was that was in my head. And if I if I lost that second fight, I had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to go. So that's when the pressure started coming on and the fear of failure. And fear, fear of failure is fear anyway. It's so fear. Yeah. Fear got yeah. the better of me. Yeah. And it was fear and failing mm. at, at what I'd set out to do. And, you know, I let go of that later on and felt like a new man. Yeah. Mate, you say that. That hits hard because when I hurt my eye, I'm not I'm not much of a crier. I don't mm. I don't cry much. I'm not saying crying's a bad thing. I just yeah. I don't do it very often. And then when I hurt my eye, then the day or two later, my physio came around my house. He was very close with him. I had a lot of injuries before, yeah. shoulders and Achilles, and he'd he'd bandaged me back up numerous times. But he couldn't fix this one. It was an eye thing, right? And he comes around. My wife is there, my girlfriend at the time, and then I was crying. I don't cry often, so I knew I was I was in a bad place, and I said, and I'd moved to London at this point from Lowestoft, a little town where yeah. I'm from in, in East Anglia, and I said I don't want to move back. If I can't fight, I've, I've got to move back. I've got to move back and get a normal job. I don't yeah, want to do that. Yeah, I've yeah. got, I've got half an A level. That's all right. I've got no qualifications. I don't want to move back. And at the yeah. time, I thought, and what I'd done, and it sounds like the same with you as well. Like what I'd done, the worst thing I'd done. I would I become Anthony Gogo the boxer. Mm. And boxing was my identity, mm. it was my life, it was everything to me. And if that goes, like I go and mm. and, and you know, I haven't got children yet. If I do have children, if they box on happy days, but yeah, I'll make yeah. them be wherever my kids are called. <laughs> like they'll be I should have been Anthony Gogo and that's who I am. Yeah. And boxing is what I do. It's what not you who do. I am. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You separate that, you, you're mentally... I get it totally. Much... I get it totally, yeah. And that and that's where I feel now because mm. you can tell me these things, what John Rowland said, or or people can say, Pricey, you was a shit boxer. And I'll go, okay. <laughs> but I'm not a boxer anymore. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. You know, say what you want. But when I was yeah. a boxer, I took it personally course, because yeah. it was my identity. And I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've done that now. I've let, I've let the boxer go. Um, but what you're saying there about, um, you know, when your eye went and you was like, I don't want to go back and get a job. It's a, it's a really daunting prospect for a, for a professional sportsman to reach that crossroads and then go, what am I going to do now? 
it's scary. Mm. It's mm. scary. It, it's scarier than any fight mm -hmm. because you've got your whole life ahead of you. You've, you've spent your best years chasing your dream, mm. which is to become a world champion or go to the Olympics. So you spent, well, not, not, not your best years, but let's say your most energetic years, yeah. your twenties, mm -hmm. you're full of energy. You're, 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 fu you're full of, you're, you're full of life. And then you're like, you've spent them chasing the dream, that, that dream faded and now what? Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it's, boxing's great by the way, and it, and it saves a lot of people, but, but, yeah. but, but for some people, they might look back, I said this last week, and they might look back and go, wow, did, did, did I, did I make the right choice to, to chase this dream? Do you know what I mean? But you can't have any regrets, of course. you know, obviously, but it's a, it's a daunting, daunting prospect, and I'm, I'm just made up, I'm proud of you, by the way, that you've, you've diversified, and I think it's amazing what you've done, Thanks by the so way, to go, to go into, into another combat sport, but you was into your wrestling anyway, mm -hmm. weren't you? You was a fan of wrestling, and, you're going to be a massive success, Harry. And I really, really, um, honestly, mate, massive respect because what happened to you with that eye? You you could have just went into a hole and never come out of it. You yeah, know, you could you could have been like the next Kirkland Lang. Mm. You know, did you see how his life ends yeah, up here yeah, yeah. on a park bench and things yeah. like that? You could have done that and people could have gone, I can see why. Mm. But you haven't. Yeah. So it's it's inspirational, mate. Mm. There Thank is. you so yeah. much. Appreciate it. Thank you. To wrap up, I've got two questions. One, are you happy? Oh yeah, yeah. I feel content. Mm. I'm content. Yeah, I'm happy. Um, and one, of, and one of the reasons is because I've transitioned into normal life. I was saying before, I'm doing my business, and I, I've just got something to occupy my mind constantly. So that's one of the struggles for ex-athletes, boxers in particular, is finding things to do with the time, and and swallowing the pride and going. I've got to go back to work. You know, I'm going in people's homes. I'm knocking at people's houses to say, come to measure up to, to do a job on your, on your boiler and this and that. And they're like, double take. You know, and there is times where I'm having to do shitty little jobs. And, and, I, and I do think, fucking hell, lad, you, you was fighting on Sky Sports box office two years ago. What's happened here? And I'm like moving a couch in like a, a, bit, a, bit, of a bit of a rough flat somewhere. For, for whatever reason, and, and I, 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 I was laughing about it with the lads I was with, but, you know, I'm, I'm, that's okay. You know, I respect I'm, that so Yeah, much. yeah, I've got really to, yeah. That. Because it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm just a human at the end of the day, and I've got to go out and do what, what I can to, to keep moving forward in life. So I am happy. I'm, I'm happily married. I'm good. happy me, me kids are healthy. Um, so life's good, yeah. Good Can't mate. complain. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. That's man. so good yeah. to hear. Yeah, yeah. It's what it's all about. It's all about. that matters. Yeah. You know, is yeah. your happiness, you yeah. know. So I'm, I'm happier now than at mo at most points in my professional career because yeah. there's no pressure anymore. There's yeah. no, you know yourself how hard it is as well physically. That the training would would have an effect on my mood because I'd yeah. be that tired. Me, me mood would be low, yeah. and I'd just be low all the time and. When I look back, I'm like, wow, I've got energy now. Yeah. I'm not sleeping of a day yeah. much. I'm yeah. just, just different. I don't different, want to be man. a dick, mate. I don't want to be a dick, but you were lucky because you have to make a weight. Imagine making a weight as well. <laughs> if, it, if it's about to make the weight, I don't know whether it would last it, to be honest, because it's, it was hard enough without making the weight for yeah. me. But making yeah. the weight, it's, it's almost respect for all of you who had to do it. And I get why when it ends, you just enjoy mm. food. Of course, yeah. Like, 
you know, you you use uh, you just go go over the other the other mm. oh, scale, the other end of the scale with it, don't you? So I get it. And the final question, mate, and if you want, I'll brought some whiskey to have a little toast to your career. Yeah. A tiny little bit. Say no to that, um, is it? Jack Daniels. A little bit Jack Daniels. And the tiny <laughs> the the last last little question, mate, is uh, a yeah. Yeah. Is that green? Nice yeah. little uh, crystal glass, eh? Yeah, I bought it from home. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll turn you got your work later. <laughs> um, I've never so done this on a podcast before, but I have I have thought of doing it on a podcast. <laughs> mate, to an amazing career. Cheers, mate. Last question. Um if you could do it all again, right? You've got the red pill and the blue the blue pill. Yeah. Go back, you you're 14 years old, you're about to walk into the boxing gym again. The red pill. You've, had a, you've seen all this happen. You go back, you take the pill, you live it all exactly the same. Nothing changes, all the losses, all the, all the upsets, all the heartache, all the great things as well. You do all of you end up here in, in what's it? So you're there in, in, in 24 years later, we're here. Or you take the other pill, whatever color I said, and then you don't go into the boxing gym that day, you walk off and live a different life. What do you do? Which one was the red pill, the boxing one? <laughs> I don't know. 100% the, the, the red. The, the boxing the, one? The, the boxing one. I've got no regrets at all, mate. It's given me everything I've got in my life. And when I say that, I don't mean things or stuff. I mean everything I've got as I am, as a man. It's made me the man I am. 100%. Obviously, I've got the upbringing I had has made me the person I am and things like that. But the, the man I am, me, me morals, me beliefs, boxing's had a big part of playing it because of... What it's taught me, you know, the, what it's taught me over the years. You know, when I when I first started going in the England training camps, I was like 17, like so I was weren't happy with myself, how, how I looked and how I felt. And I got taught on there about just just got told off for me manners. Now just just being respectful to everyone, saying please, thank you. And because I'd had that from my own mum and dad and things like that, but I was just a little bit angry. I was a teenager, I was like, fuck, I hated being a teenager. And Ian Irwin called me. And like that was one little thing I remember and that and like things like that stuck in my head and they've just stayed with me now, obviously. And I'd have been like that anyway, but boxing, boxing's just been great, been great. Um wouldn't change any of it. Well, cheers. Cheers, mate. Cheers, pal. Cheers, mate. Oh, Thank you. The best. I think you can agree that was an amazing episode, a fantastic episode. David Price left loads of life lessons in that in that episode. I took so much from it. I was for me, my takeaway for me was was what success is. Like what what does success mean? And I think it's very subjective, isn't it? I mean like David Price was supposed to become the world heavyweight champion and everyone thought he was gonna earn tens and tens of tens of millions of pounds and be where Tyson Fury and maybe where Anthony Joshua is now but it didn't quite work out for him but does that mean his career was a failure? I mean I don't think so he's a guy and I've, I've, I've learned this from talking to Tony Jeffries like he's got an Olympic medal he won medals all around the world he has a wealth of experience from representing his city Liverpool and his country, England and Great Britain, that he did so proudly. He got experiences that most people could only ever dream of. I think, and I've said this before, and I, and I learned this from, from, from Tony Jeffries, like when you, 
the things you look at, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And that's a quote I'm going to be saying a, a lot over the course of this series and, and future series because life is all about perspective. And yes, David Price never got to the, to the heady heights that maybe his talent could have got him to, or many people thought he was going to get to, but nobody can take away the amazing career that that man had. Dave, thank you, mate. It was an absolute privilege having you on, and I hope all the lovely listeners have learned so much from your story. Thank you so much. But as you know, here at the Getting Back Up podcast, every single week, I've got a special guest on telling their story for the benefit of you. And next week is no different. Next week, I have got Scott Oakley on the podcast. Now, who is Scott? Some of you may know Scott. Some of you might not know Scott. Scott, among many things, is, is one of my acting coaches. He is the most lovely inspiring men I've met in my entire life. He's a very successful, accomplished, working actor and acting teacher. He's a legend in, 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 the, truest, in the truest form of the word. Now, Scott, be ready for this one, okay? It's an emotional one. Scott talks about his, his difficult upbringing. Difficult upbringing, suffering abuse, many different forms in his young life. Scott talks about being a bounty hunter. Yeah, I could not believe it. He said it once in acting class, one of my first acting classes, that he used to be a bounty hunter. And I thought he was doing a bit. <laughs> I thought he was, I generally thought he was like breaking off into some improv. Not thinking bounty hunting is a thing nowadays, but it is. He did it for a long time, very successful career as a bounty hunter before he fell back in love with acting. It's an amazing story. Just you've got to listen to it. You're gonna you're gonna learn so much, like I did. Be ready for the with, with the tissues because it's a bit of a tearjerker. So I'll give you a heads up on that one. So, guys, thank you so much for being with me again today and listen to another episode. Please like, please subscribe, please leave a review, please share this podcast with anybody that you think is going to benefit. It really does help us go a long way. I really enjoy doing these podcasts, but I need your support to keep doing them. So please get involved and join the growing army that is the Getting Back Up subscribers and listeners. Remember, life gets tough sometimes. You're going to fall down. It's going to happen. When you do find yourself lying flat back on the, the metaphorical canvas of life, remember, you've only got one choice and that's to get back up. Guys, I'll see you next week.